Hello. And welcome back to Movie Cinema Film with your hosts, Leah Russo and Jordan Freed. We're here with your best films of the decade. Uh, we're so happy to be here, but very stressed. The aughts. The best decade of film ever, perhaps. Oh. At least the best decade of film that we've been alive for. Interesting claim. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think that's a pretty accurate claim. Uh, I would need to take some time to, t- to think about that, but I don't know. It was a very interesting decade of films. Um, the industry definitely changed a lot. It was also the first crop of filmmakers that could make phones on their iPhones on a regular basis. So I feel like there was a mastery of film being seen. You said amongst... make phones on your phones. Did I say that? Phones yeah. on my phones? Phones on your phones. Damn it. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> you can't. This is a podcast. Gotta talk. That's kind of the whole thing. I'll just loudly sip coffee. Oh, great. We should eat. We should do an ASMR. Um, <laughs> like we'll name a film and then we'll bite into a potato chip. And then you go name another film, then I bite into a carrot. We have lots of vegan food around this place. Yep. Thanks to you. It's the year of veganism. It's the year of not drinking coffee besides when I'm on a podcast. Oh, wait, you've been cutting off. Uh, I have not coffee. drank coffee yet this year. This is the first time I've drank coffee. Yeah, I bring I that out in you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's probably why I'm stumbling over my words. Is because now I'm manic because I'm drinking coffee and getting stimulated. Well, that's what I love about you guys is every time I come over here, like no matter who I'm coming to see or like what's going on, you guys always greet me with like coffee immediately, which I really appreciate and like a good movie on. Oh yeah, that's basically why I come over. Today we were just watching, we meaning myself, um, <laughs> by myself. Um, I was watching a tiny house show. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, I feel like you could do that. You could do that very minimalist thing, right? Be in a tiny house? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, like, definitely I could do it financially. Yeah. Like, that would definitely be a better way for me to live financially, I think, to, like, own something that is like very cheap I guess mm-hmm. and then I could sell it down the road or just have it as like an extra thing yeah um I don't know the thing about tiny homes is you kind of have to live in an off the grid place because like you're just gonna have to pay massive ass taxes and whatever mm-hmm. if you're in a close place to the city also they have weird zoning laws in cities oh my gosh I'm not looking forward to doing our taxes. I'm a business owner. <laughs> I have to do everything myself. Wow. Okay, let's just we'll just blow past that. Um, You'll have to get a princess accountant. Well, I have someone that does my taxes. Like it's a family friend. But last year, like I had only been running the business like three months in 2018, and she was like, "Next year, you might have to get someone who's like a real like tax person because she's just like a general accountant." So I was just like. Mm. I'll do it myself, because that's how I, I'm an Aries, which so is Jordan. Uh, so I'm like, I'll do it myself, no big deal. <laughs> and I'm probably going to end up making some huge mistake, and they're going to be like, you owe a million dollars, even though you didn't even make anything close to that. That's probably what will happen. I'm just calling it now. Yes. Um... I just want to also state that I'm in a house right now that has a birdcage, and inside the birdcage are printed out copies of black and white photos of Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. So if you know, you know. that birdcage uh has come a long way Uh all the way from new orleans it was in our house in new orleans when i moved in there and um 
I just stole it from the house. Yeah. Because we never had a bird. Sounds and good. the people before us left town and they were kind of shady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they moved away and they came back to the house one time and they were like, yeah, don't tell the cops that we moved. <laughs> like, don't tell them that we've left this house. Like, pretend we still live here. It's like, what? Yeah. A lot <laughs> um, of good stories start with don't tell the cops. Yeah. Yeah. It was wild. They also had, like, a big, uh, oh, gosh, it was some kind of erotic painting that they had to come back and get, like, two months into us living there. Oh. It was an odd crew. One of the people made, like, the only film uh, at my film school screening that uh, had nudity in it. There were no other films at, like, the thesis film screening that had nudity, except this person who lived in my house before me. Hmm. Very odd person. Yeah. She was an art film person should i get erotic paintings for my new place uh yeah would that be so funny if i if i like when i'm moving in like i never even say anything to my roommates and they just see someone (laughs) carrying like a giant vagina or something and they're like oh okay this is what okay got it you know i would love that i would think that was so funny if i had like a really eccentric weird roommate art definitely adds yeah i actually have like film related art mostly like i'm trying to I'm trying to, like, come up with a theme rather than just ordering, like, all kinds of shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I'm, like, planning it right now, but I already ordered a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood poster. Word. So, but it's not, like, the poster. It's, like, a poster designed by somebody else, like, a fan. So it's really cool, and it, um, it's beautiful. I'm so happy. I can't wait to move. Anyways, that's a good segue into, uh, our top 40 of the decade. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk about this. I think we're going to have a lot of disagreements, and I think we're going to have a lot of similarities. Yeah. So, I think for similarities, uh... I wonder how How do you want to do it? Do you want to talk about it when the person who ranked it higher has it, or when the person who says it first? Probably ranked it higher. That's good. And also, let's make a bet right now. How many of the same movies are we going to have on our list? I'm going to say less than half. Less than half? That's probably a good, like, 17 or something. So we're doing top 40. I actually have 41 because I just, I make my own rules, I guess. Um, But, yeah, I would say, I don't know, less than half. Yeah, maybe less than half. Yeah, because we do have different tastes, but then I think we also, like, do respect a lot of the same kind of art as well. So I'm going to say 17. We'll have 17 movies that are the same. Yes. Yeah. Um, and before we get into this, uh, I've watched a lot of these films a long time ago, so don't judge me if I know he's bad. <laughs> don't, like, call me out in the podcast descriptions. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He didn't watch all oh 40 God. films. Wait. So, like, remember that movie Black Swan with, like, all the birds that were swimming around the lake? Some of them were black. Some of them were white. Natalie Portman wasn't there. It was a great movie. That's what you think Black Swan was about, or am I wrong? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it right now. We'll, okay, we'll talk about it once we get to it on my list. Fine, gotcha. Uh, yeah, but it is very tough because a lot of these movies I definitely watched um, under the influence coming back to my dorm room. Gotcha. Message received. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. But a lot of them were great. I, I, it's it's sad how few um, movies that are on this list. Like there are so many more amazing movies of the decade, but we have to narrow it down. What if we have 
80 different films. <laughs> wow, that would be so cool. All right, let's start out with Leah's number 40 film. 41. 41. <laughs> to start us out, honorable mention of our whole... It's not an honorable mention. It's on my list. It's Lion from 2016. Did you yeah, ever see Lion? I did see Lion. It was a beautiful the movie. It's a, it's a true story about a little boy that went missing in India. And, you know, they really did not have the means in his family or his community to find him. And then he becomes adopted by an Australian family and, like, is raised... Like, he's raised in, like, a white family, so he doesn't even feel like he's Indian. Like, he actually says, like, one of the most fascinating lines of the decade, which is, like, someone's asking him his nationality and, like, mentions that he's Indian, and he says, oh, I'm not really Indian, which is, like, wow, that says a lot about, like, identity and, like, and it's Dev Patel, so, like, you're looking at him and you're, like, you're Indian. Um, so it's, like, it's just so fascinating, and then it's true, it's a true story how he f- ended up finding his parents through Google Earth. Like, it took him years and years and years and years he like yeah. looked every every centimeter of the map until he found uh, where he was from. It's 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 a beautiful movie and it's also like not just a fascinating story. It's a well crafted movie and made me cry and I watched it like three times that year and uh, high quality film. It's so good. Yeah. Nicole Kidman is giving that. Oh, she's great. She has that one like really good scene too with him. And uh, yeah, I think it brings up a lot of questions about like you know adoption and like where you come from versus like what you're you end up feeling like you are because it's like he wasn't white but he was like raised white australian and it's just like very interesting to me i don't know i i I can't imagine the kind of like identity stuff you would be dealing with if you were adopted in general like just it's weird to come from somewhere else than than you were raised so energies yeah. And you're moving your energies. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> okay, your turn. Um, my number 40 film is a film from this year. Uh, a new classic, I think. Midsommar Ooh. by Ari Aster. If you didn't watch this, this was the film about um, like a pagan festival. Put on your sunglasses. You should definitely see this. Um... A24 was cooking up a lot of great things this decade. They have graced our lists many times, I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, love them. Uh, they know how to distribute the good films and get them buzz, and this was no different. Uh, Florence Pugh was great. Um, the script was awesome. I definitely didn't feel bored throughout it. I know I feel differently than Leah does about the film a little bit. But yeah. I don't know. I loved it. Wasn't my fave, but I respect the hustle. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my number 40 is Jackie. Oh, word. Do you see Jackie? <sighs> I think I've started it like three or four times. Oh my god, rude. I know, it is very rude. <laughs> um, well, I saw, this movie's kind of divisive. Like, I know people that I usually agree with that hate it, and I fucking loved it. I also, though, I'm fascinated by the Kennedys, and I have been since I was a kid, so I'm also biased, but I actually think that kind of makes it, my opinion, almost, like, more relevant, because I'm usually, like, very judgmental of movies about the Kennedys, and I'm like, this is bullshit, because I think a lot of people just kind of focus on the image and not about, like, who they really were, or, like, whatever. There's There's too many arguments to be made about, like, all of that kind of stuff, and I don't want to get into, like, a political thing. Um, but 
I loved. Then I thought, we get political. It's movie cinema film. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved what Natalie Portman did with the character. I I don't like. I think it was like the perfect combination of like an imitation of her while also bringing her own spin to it. I loved the way that it was filmed. Like that was the main thing that I loved was the cinematography. I love the things that they decided to focus on. Like when you're dealing with a topic of this size, obviously it's there's so many different things that you could set your movie on and. Um, I just love the way they filmed her from behind so many times. I love the way they jumped around in time. I love the way they just show her kind of like sulking around the White House and like they make her feel like such a regular person even though she's not a regular person. Like one thing I think is interesting like when you're talking about celebrities like a lot of the time I hear people say like oh you know ultimately they're just like everybody else. They're just people and it's like they are just people and they do you know have blood running through their veins just like anyone else but like they are in these extraordinary circumstances so to say like oh they're just like everybody else it's like well there's actually a combination of being just like everybody else and then a combination of like outstanding circumstances and I thought this movie captured that really well and the score is amazing um by Mika Levy so I love Jackie do you want to go to your 39 do no I think you should go to your okay fine uh I'm gonna go with Hugo Ooh, nice choice. Is that on your list? No, very close though. Uh, I actually watched Hugo for the first time straight through very recently. Really? Yeah, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. It was mm-hmm. very magical. It's a good Christmas watch. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of like cogs and machinery. There's a lot of magic going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got our Black Friday TV. It's big, guys. It's very big. Um, and we've been watching a lot of films on it. And hopefully it'll make me a better filmmaker so then I can one day make you guys good films. Aw, that's yeah. so nice. I think that's exactly what Marty would want to hear, that yeah. like it ins- would inspire somebody to make good movies. I'm just like watching Marty going through his whole uh, filmography. Nothing delights me more than to hear that. Yeah. That's what I did when I was like, I want to say like 16, which at the time there weren't obviously like as many to go through, but, um, yeah, I, that, like, I remember that. It was harder to find, too. Yeah, but I had the, um, I had Netflix DVD service, Uh, so I was always, like, I didn't have the account info. Right. I just had the streaming thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, and, uh, by the way, I, I had Netflix DVDs even last year, like, I sometimes will subscribe, and then, like, for a month or so, if there's, like, some rare title that, I don't necessarily know that I want to buy, like, because sometimes it's, like, thirty nine ninety nine for a DVD or something, and I'm like, what if I don't even like this movie, and I've just spent 40 bucks, so then I'll, like, resubscribe to the DVD service, because they really do have a good library. Still, like, I mean, they've only, like, expanded it, so. I still recommend the Netflix DVD service, actually. It's pretty awesome. Uh, I would consider it, honestly. Yeah. Like, if you watch a lot of movies, how could you go wrong? And, well, like, I, you already can see most films from streaming services. This just fills in all the blanks because Netflix probably has everything. Yeah. I also really love DVD features. Like, that's something from my childhood that, like, I just... I remember when we when I was little and the first time, like, we got a DVD player. Like, I was so excited. And I remember, like, the first few DVDs that my parents bought me and, like, clicking through the thing and being able to see, like these movies that I loved, like, have all this bonus shit, like, that blew my mind as a kid. I was like, oh my god, like, I couldn't, like, it was crazy to see, like, you know, like, when I was little, like, we didn't have YouTube yet, so, like, you didn't see, like, you didn't see, like, other footage of the movie that you loved, do you know what I mean? It wasn't like you could just type in the movie and all this shit would come up, so it was, like, very, very exciting, and I wish that streaming had 
bonus features. I know that sometimes it does, like on Prime, you can like do that or whatever. And I, I know Google Play, you can do that too. But like, it should just be a standard thing that like whatever's on the DVD also comes with like, if you buy something on streaming, I wish that was like the case. So that's why I love doing the, uh, the DVDs, the service. So you can do like one a month. You could do up to like five a month. Or no, five at a time, not a month. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's really cool. Like Imagine you're rolling with five Netflix DVDs at once. I know. It's hard to keep up days? with. No, well, like, at the time... Okay, so at the time, like, when I'm talking about, like, when I, like, watched all of Marty's movies, at that time, yes. Yeah, like, I, I didn't have five at a time. I think I think I had, like, three. I could have three out yeah. at a time. Um, which I'm actually going to look this up right now. Yeah, and it was really great, but there also weren't a ton of, like, there wasn't any streaming services. So, like, the way that I watched movies was, like, DVDs and then, like, just watching them on TV. So, there was so much more time. Like, now, like, sometimes, because I've canceled it multiple times, because, like, I'll get, um, like, I'll get a DVD and then I'm like oh I feel like watching something else and I have every movie ever made at my fucking fingertips so it's like really hard to just watch that one DVD that you have or at least for me I guess I get distracted easily wow yeah so where are we on our I think we're at your it's my turn yeah. my number 39 is Dallas Buyers Club I left that off my list mm-hmm. but it is a classic I feel like it is I know it's become kind of controversial. Like, some people don't like the portrayal of... I feel like anything involving AIDS or trans people is always going to be very touchy. No one's ever... Like, it's never going to make everybody happy. But I loved the movie. I thought it was so incredibly powerful. I thought Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto were unreal. And it's really... Well, I shouldn't say unreal. They were very real. (laughs) They were... They were... But they were such good actors in it that it was... It's like, I couldn't believe how great they were. Is that it? It's called dvd.netflix.com? Yeah. That sounds sketchy as hell. Well, it's the DVD portion of... Jordan's on his laptop, by the way, guys. It's like the DVD section. Like, they don't want to confuse people that are just on there for the streaming. Wow. But yeah, I was a very early adopter of Netflix. Like, I remember Netflix when there was no streaming and when Netflix was just emailing DVDs because I was like, as a kid, I was like very like so obsessed with movies like couldn't like that's all I wanted to do I very I don't have as much memories of like going outside (laughs) I have memories of like waiting I would go outside to go to the mailbox and get my Netflix DVD (laughs) and then I'd go back inside immediately so Mm. yeah wow that was pretty crazy yep so anyway um Dallas Buyers Club great film and uh what else was I gonna say I haven't watched it in so long but I really like I was very, very affected by it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, next up at 38 is The Social Network. Very far down on my list, I'm assuming. Mine's you. higher, yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll just wait yeah. to talk about it later. Cool. Yeah. I won't hate on it. Okay. Um, for my number 38, I put Uncut Gems. We'll wait on that. Okay. <laughs> we're already getting into the repeats Mm -hmm. cool Um, so that's two two yeah uh next up i have carol at 37 that did not make my list go off uh no it's just like a very good art film by todd haynes i don't think we got a lot of great films from him but he's this decade but because like they move slower 
I think, just mm-hmm. as a result of kind of doing them his own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a beautiful film, uh, very stylistic. It had a very odd tone to it, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed a lot, and I feel like really defined like a different time, mm-hmm. like when you actually Absolutely. had to talk to people and you actually had to like wait and like feel the rhythm of a moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that like some films are kind of trying to go back to and show. Like, especially with The Irishman and, like, this idea of, like, oh, just wait. Like, things take a while. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, things don't happen overnight. Like, you need to wait. You need to see the process out. And, like, all of this kind of, I don't know, patience that we've Mm -hmm. taken away from our existence since we have computers on our phones that just allow us to get all of the information we want instantly. (laughs) Yeah, I love the color palette of Carol, too. It's unique. Yeah. And I like that it's a Christmas movie, kind of. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of queer films on my list. Good. It's good. Love good that. to start, I guess. Anything that's about a hidden relationship or a secret relationship, I'm, like, very fascinated by. And this was a very good representation of that pain, like, when you're hiding, when you can't just be, you can't just be. Anyway, okay. I I love that movie, though. It's not... When I say something isn't on my list, it's not... I mean, like, I'll say if I didn't like it. It's not. It's not that. It's just that I love movies too much, and there's too many. So my number 37 is Alexander Payne's Nebraska. Oh, I forgot about this. Damn. I I'm can't forget that it. I don't have it on my list. I think about it hourly, so I've never I love Alexander Payne, actually, every single movie he's ever made, um, with the exception of Downsizing, which no one's perfect. Uh, this movie, like... Downsizing? Never heard of it. Never watched it. Don't even know it exists. <laughs> really? Matt Damon? Kristen Wiig? You didn't I, even I hear just about pre- it? No, no, I know it exists. But oh, I just oh, pretend oh. it doesn't. Okay, gotcha. Because I just prefer to live in the sideways Descendants universe. Actually, you know what? Watch it, Jordan, because that, you might like it. I don't know. It's very weird. Like, there's, I I appreciate the ambition. Like, I definitely appreciate the ambition of that movie. Do you think I was poisoned by the media? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not you, so I didn't have that immediate thought, but, (laughs) but I don't know. Um, Yeah, this is like a quiet, patient, hilarious movie about family and, um, I have an older dad, too. He's not, he's, like, nowhere near, like, he's not, like, old and decrepit at all. He's, like, very, very, like, people always think he's, like, 20 years younger than he is. Um, but it's definitely, like, relatable in the sense that, like, you just have to deal, like, you have to accept that you're dealing with, like, an old timer. And there's, like, a different set of rules for him. There's a different set of everything in the world. And, like, I love the companionship of, like, the father and son and how the son, like, how Will Forte, which, who gives such an amazing performance, like, deals with his dad having this delusion about, you know, uh, winning a million dollars and how he just kind of lets go of the need to be right and the need to uh, insist, like, Dad, this isn't happening. You're not going to win a million dollars. And he just says, all right, you want to go to Nebraska or you, uh, you want to go to um, Lincoln and get your money? Let's go. Like, you know, it'll be a memory. It'll be a good story. And, like, let's just go and do it. I love that, and the um, the whole thing, like, just the way the family's portrayed, everybody in town, how, you know, once they, they start to hear about this money, how they change and how they turn, and uh, obviously Bruce Dern is just divine, um, perfect uh, June Squibb, perfect uh, Bob Odenkirk, you know, just 
incredible. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just don't know how anyone could not love this movie. And it's in black and white. Very interesting choice. And the scene at the end, uh, no spoilers, but when he's driving the, the, the truck around town just makes me grin from ear to ear every time. So good. Word. Yeah. Next up on my list is Blade Runner 2049. I didn't see it. Wow. I know. <laughs> no, it's just like a continuation of the original Blade Runner. Uh, and I just thought it was good sci-fi and very visual and Denis Villeneuve is... A genius, genius. for sure. Um, I will watch it someday. I'm just... I think like I... So I... <laughs> So I went to three different colleges before I graduated, and I had, um, I was majoring in filmmaking at one point, was majoring in cinema studies at one point, um, uh, and then was majoring in theater at one point, and every single one of those uh, majors involves Blade Runner. So I watched <laughs> Blade Runner in so many of my classes. It really is like, you know, it's like a masterpiece, but I am so tired of it. Like, I can't study it anymore. I'm done. Um, and I just don't think that, I think because I had an oversaturation of that movie in school, which I was in school when the, sec the second one came out, despite my love for the director, despite my love for Ryan Reynolds, uh, or uh, Ryan Gosling, I was like, I'm just not in this headspace right now, and like, I, but I will definitely watch it. But yeah, I wa but like I watched it in my lighting class. I watched it in my like yeah. screenplay class. I watched you know everything. Um, and what what else did I watch it in? It's like relevant in so many ways. Oh, my literature class because it's based on that book, The Electric Sheep. Yeah. Do what is it? Do, do some Android do Android stream, stream of electric sheep? Yeah. So I studied the book, like everything. Studied every fucking thing. I wrote so many papers about it. I was like, I can't do this, you guys. But I'm excited to watch it someday in the future, so sell me on it. Just uh, don't you want to know what happens after? <laughs> That's, like, really it. Like, okay. I just feel like you want to follow it up, kind of like The Matrix. Like, I don't know if The Matrix definitely delivered with the sequels as much as this delivered, but, like, this was definitely a good sequel and I think a good continuation of the franchise and like I was totally down with it and it was a good use of like new lighting technologies and new digital technologies and it was just cool to see like 2049 LA which like scary enough like could look more like this as we like see the world kind of changing see our push for uh sustainability like it's kind of funny this is almost more likely because if LA is on fire like it could kind of turn into that dystopian land now like we do feel like we're burning closer to that mm -hmm. <laughs> like we might get cyber hacked by iran and china and russia <laughs> or aliens or aliens who the f knows like honestly i don't even worry about the aliens because like right now i'm broke so i'm gonna be the person who dies <laughs> and doesn't make it to see the aliens <laughs> what if you get randomly selected maybe yeah maybe I'm trying to feel their energies. Aliens, please take me. Mm. Yeah, we're ready. I mean, really, what else is there to see in this world? We can move on to another one. <laughs> All right. Should I yeah. do my number 39? So my number 39. You're on 39? 36. 36, cool. <laughs> My number 36 is Comet, a Sam Esmail film. 
What? Have you seen the it? The fuck. <laughs> I'm putting this into something. Yeah. I think it's still on Netflix. So this is a very underrated film. A lot of people don't know about it. I'm always recommending it. You know how people are always posting on Facebook, like especially like people that don't really, they're not that into film and TV and they always just post like, hey guys, any Netflix recommendations? And I'm always like, yeah, I have 1,000 of them, but I always recommend this movie because it's- Comet? Comet, yeah, because very few people have seen it. So once I recommend it, it's always, yep, there it is. What the? It's always something people haven't seen and then they watch it and they're like, oh shit. It's a, a love story, but it's kind of, I mean, it's not, it's not like Eternal Sunshine, but it's kind of similar in that it's like a love story told in a more subversive way than what we're used to. It stars Justin Long and Emmy Rossum, who are both so phenomenal in it. You believe them as a couple so much. It's so funny that that's Mr. Robot. Yep. And yes, yes, but this, but the movie is really not. I mean, I guess it is. It's kind of like Mr. Robot in that, like I said, it's subversive, but it's so romantic. Like it's so romantic, and uh, it made me cry so much when I watched it. I really related to it because at the time, like I was in a relationship, and I was like, oh, I don't know if this relationship is gonna work out for like the rest of our lives, but like I want it to so badly. Yeah. Like at that point, I was in that place where like I wanted it to work out so badly that there was literally no other option in my mind and it's the same thing like for the Justin Long character and like he has some like they both have lines in it that are just so just so like exactly how I feel about love and romance and then the other thing is like he really like um, experimented with lighting and film techniques in this so like even if you look at the poster it's like this like lavender like pastel um really nice like not your normal like romantic movie poster and that's kind of how the movie is like especially when they first meet they meet at the hollywood forever cemetery which is someplace that i've always wanted to go and um i don't want to like get into too many details you should just watch it but like just the lighting is amazing like it's beautiful so i just love that they took like a very basic concept of just like here's this couple and we're gonna go through their relationship and show you like good moments and bad moments but then he decided to like film it in this way that was so unique and use these really unique techniques and I just really appreciate it it's a beautiful movie Word. yeah so now we are on to 35 yeah I went with American Honey loved to be it. controversial didn't make my list but loved it F it. Uh, it was probably the weirdest like road movie with Shia LaBeouf that we'll ever see. <laughs> well, and, and I, mean, I guess I could leave it at that. No, it's just time. He could <laughs> he could make another one. No, yeah, I think it definitely covered a part of America that we don't really see, uh, and it was cool. Uh, I know we're probably gonna be talking about the Florida Project later, but it definitely reminded me a little bit of that Mm -hmm. and just like this weird like wasteland of like no opportunity left in America and like how do we make money in this time where like people don't even want to hire people who have college educations like we literally have kids running around selling magazines (laughs) and stuff yes uh and it definitely was a good uh, metaphor for kind of the gig economy that we're living in right now and kind of how everybody makes money off of scams, basically, and everything is kind of BS, and you're probably going to be abused by somebody who has power over you. Um, 
Yeah, it was just like a very weird, true, beautiful film. I don't know. It's very raw. And like I was saying, we were talking about it actually before we started recording. And anyone out there who's like interested in this movie, don't let the running time like deter you. I think, is it over three hours? Oh, it's long as hell. Yeah, it's really long. And uh, I remember turning it on and thinking like, oh, I'll probably watch an hour, 90 minutes tops of this. And then I'll watch the rest tomorrow because I'm not going to be able to like sustain that long of a movie, like three hours plus. And I watched it from beginning to end without even stopping it to, like, use the bathroom. Like, I was so into it. I, like, I, I'm always really impressed because I, as much as I love movies, I don't always like long movies. I'm not always, like, into. I think that movies should be, like, a tight hundred minutes a lot of the time. So, the fact that it was able to, like, not just keep my attention, but, like, grip me for that long is very impressive. That's like a Marty, you know. He's kind of cornered the market on that. So, I was very impressed. It's a good, like, depression movie. If you're, if you're, like, super depressed, you can just sit in your house for three hours and just watch this movie and be like, whoa, maybe I can turn my life around. Yep, you could. <laughs> anyone, anyone can. Actually, um, it didn't make my list because it's not, it's from 2001, but Vanilla Sky is one of my favorite movies of all time, and there's a line in that movie. Oh, fuck, I have to watch that too. Every passing minute is a chance to turn it all around, which is so true. Like, that really is true. I... I think about that all the time, and uh, yeah, Jordan's uh, just reached for his large book, which is 1001 Movies to See Before You Die. I just want to see if Vanilla Sky was on it, so then I had permission to watch it. No, Vanilla Sky is not on it. I, I can't think, watch Vanilla Sky. I don't um, have time. It's on my list. <laughs> it's on my 1,000 movies to watch. Well, you're not Manola, Dargis, and A.O. Scott. Who the hell are those people? They were the New York Times. I don't know. Well, I... This book probably isn't. Yeah. I don't know. This is just a starting point, a thousand films that they told me to watch. <laughs> Vanilla Sky is so underrated, but that's not what we're here to talk about, so I'll, I'll refrain. Yeah, that is a weird tangent we just got. On. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, also, though, I'll open up to the best films of the decade for that decade. Cool. Because they have them in here. Nice. So then we could see some commentary also. Wow. Uh, word. My next movie is my number 35 is Django Unchained. Mm. Is that on your list? It is not. Wow. I actually left off Tarantino, I'm not going to lie. Okay. Fine. I don't know what to say about this movie. It's like amazing. The D is silent and that's all I have to say. <laughs> that's it? Right. I mean like I don't know what else could be said about it. It's a great movie. It's Quentin Tarantino. And... I really love the performances. Jamie Foxx has never been better. Like, despite winning an Oscar for Ray, he's much better in this movie. And Leo's amazing. King Schultz is my hero, and I love him dearly. And I'm so happy that Tarantino wrote him a role where he's not a villain. Because, like, he played the villain in Inglourious Bastards and then won the Oscar. And then he was cast as a villain in every other movie that he made. And he was, like, not as good in those movies because they were very shittily written. And then um, he got to play this, like, adorable, cute King Schultz. And I just, I love their whole journey. It's a road movie, but on dirt roads. And uh, I'm all for it. So there's so many things you could say about that movie. I'm just going to stop. <laughs> so what's your 34? My 34 is Francis Ha. Nice. Uh, I feel like this was just the start of a good 
uh, creative partnership between definitely or I guess they did they work on Mistress America before wasn't that song? after after I think yeah I, re- I love Mistress America too I have not seen it that's really good I'll have to check it out mm-hmm. um but yeah no uh, it's Noah Baumbach directed Greta Gerwig um and she is fantastic and is it her script uh no no it's not Mistress America was I think her script or co-written by her who wrote this? Hmm. But did Noah write it? He did, right? Oh, he did write. No, they wrote it together. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. So it was the yeah they wrote it together, and it's it's just such a cute movie about friendship and living in your twenties and being like, yeah. wait, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just like trying Constant. to find yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I feel like it just foreshadowed what was to come. I love the book. Honestly, in a lot of ways, I feel like this is better than Lady Bird. Oh, interesting take. But, I don't know. I did end up ranking Lady Bird higher than it, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I do, like, enjoy, like, the fact that this is very short and complete, and it's black and white, and it's, like, more hardcore. Mm-hmm. I feel like Lady Bird is a very sterile film in a lot of ways, and is almost, like, too perfect. For, like, what it's trying to be. Yeah. It's this... almost like, why why get really, like... It, di- it didn't feel like it needed to be so perfect and polished for, like, the coming-of-age story. Like, I feel like, yes, for Little Women, it works well to be really polished. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you're trying to convey, like, a certain time. But I feel like for Lady Bird at times, like, it kind of alienated people. Because it was just like, oh, well, like... Yeah, this is a story about somebody's, like, life and whatever. But, like... What was the worst thing that really happened in Lady Bird? That's a really good point. Like, Frances Ha kind of feels like it was made by Frances Ha. Like, it like it kind of seems like she made the movie. Like, like some, like, 26-year-old who doesn't know what the fuck is happening in her life yet, like, made this movie, even though it was made by someone who, like, it was directed by Noah, who had made, like, many good films before then and, like, has a lot of skill, but it feels kind of, like, rough. Yeah. 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 So, I like point. the artsiness of it. Um... It feels like mo- very New York. Yes. Which, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, my number 34 is Annihilation. Oh, I left it off. Yeah. It's just, I talked about it on our other, what what was that, best of 2018? Yeah. I just had to include it because it's so imaginative. Like, the visuals, I just... do the sounds. And the sound, yeah, the sound wow. of the visuals. You just, you don't... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You just don't see or hear uh, that ever, really. Like, really don't hear that or see that kind of stuff ever. So it had to be on my list. Loved it. Cool. We'll keep it moving. Yep. I'm going to move on to uh, a film that feels realer and realer as we move deeper and deeper into the future. Uh, Her. Aw, that's on my list, too. It's a little bit higher. Yeah. Uh, So we'll talk about it later. My 33 is Nightcrawler. We'll talk about that later as well. Oh, shit. That's four now that we have the same? I think so. Cool. Moonrise Kingdom is my 32. That's not on my My list. only Wes Anderson film that I picked. Oh, really? So you like that more than Grand Budapest Hotel? Oh, yeah. I I think when like Wes Anderson starts going into other people's culture, I just don't want to watch it. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about it. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Moonrise Kingdom is like very cool. No, like don't get me wrong, like Darjeeling Limited, like I like it a lot and like I liked Grand Budapest Hotel and it was cool, but like also what 
yeah, like, what are you, what are you doing? I feel you. <laughs> you know, like, do, do another bottle rocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it feels a little weird. Uh, but Moonrise Kingdom does not feel weird because it's, like, making fun of a lot of American values and it's also super cute and very stylized and it's a good child actor film. I love child actors. (laughs) I'm obsessed with child actors in a non-creepy way. Yes, yes. Um, I just watched Alice Doesn't Live Here anymore. Great child actors. Yes. I think that's why you recommended it to me at one point. Is it? I think so. Or maybe it was because you were talking about Marty. Probably. That's usually what I'm talking about on any given moment. Child actors and Marty. Basically, I don't really have much other interests. I was thinking about the other day, like, if I had the chance to interview Mary-Kate and Ashley, like, where would I even begin? But that's a whole other podcast, so. Anyways. Uh, yeah, this film rocks. Um, (laughs) it's just, like, very chill. Uh, I don't know. I watched it also at a time when I was, like, it came out in 2012, so, like, I was in high school, so, like, it wasn't really, like... It didn't feel like it was weird either. It was just like, it felt like, oh, like, these are kids and I was just a kid. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, like, I miss this as I'm going into adulthood. Another really interesting color palette. Yes. One of the best, probably. All right. Okay, my next movie, number 32, is I, Tanya. Wow, that's my number 31. So we can start talking about that. Cool. Um, I talked about this before on a podcast. Uh, that we did yeah we both talked about it um i just loved this movie i love that margot robbie kind of took the reins of her career like especially because her first big movie was wolf of wall street where like she was known for being like super hot like not that her performance wasn't good but like that in that role like her body and like her face and stuff and the fact that she was like a trophy wife like was a big part of it so like i thought it was really cool that she decided to become a producer and she didn't just want to do like movies where she was the eye candy i think that's amazing kind of like charlie's throne kind of same deal like with i feel like when you're that gorgeous it's like very easy to just be like oh i'm just gonna be rich and like just do these like shitty movies that's Um, what star power can do yeah like if you have that power to your brand like Mm -hmm. people saw her in wolf of wall street and everybody was like who the fuck is that right it's like oh it's like we're just gonna put her in all the barbie roles and it's like no she ended up doing this like very interesting portrayal of tanya harding who's like very fascinating to me and uh you know the movie's definitely not a perfect movie but i thought margo was so good i always cry when she she hits the triple axel at um problematic icon <laughs> yeah i mean yeah and I, that's the thing is like i love tanya harding like i love her story i love like even like if she, even like if she knew about it if she didn't know about it, i don't care it's like fascinating to me i love pop culture so like i don't give a shit but like I uh, I just loved the film. I that was a film I knew I was gonna love that year. Like I remember seeing the trailer and I was like, "Yep, this is for me, absolutely." And I like went to see it. Like as soon as it opened, it was only playing in the city, um, and I went like straight in. And those were the days of Movie Pass, so I didn't even have to pay for my ticket, which was same, rad. Same, same. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but I would have paid. Now I never go to the Angelica. It sucks. I went to. It does not suck. No, it sucks that I don't go to the Angelica. Oh, oh, got yeah. it, got it. Okay. It sucks because I just go to AMC now because I have the AMC A list. That's yeah. what sucks. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the film. What do you want to say about it? No, nah, I think you basically covered it all. I thought it was just a super funny portrayal of a very dark story and a dark life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it was also a film that was just needed in the time. 
Because, like, it was definitely in, like, the peak of a lot of, like, the Me Too stuff in, like, Hollywood. And it was kind of showing abuse from husbands in, like, a different way. Mm -hmm. And, like, how it affects people in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, I, I just thought it was a cool, interesting portrayal of the Tanya Harding story. And was important. And it was cool that... Margot Robbie, like, produced it and did a fantastic job of playing that character. Mm-hmm. My favorite line from the movie is when, even though she's, like, tricking her daughter or whatever, when the mom um, says to her, like, she hasn't seen her in a long time and she's, like, become famous since then, and she's like, so are you holding up okay, like, with all your fame and all this shit going on? And Tanya's just kind of like, yeah. And um, the mom's like you know, fuck them, remember? Like, you know, and she's like, I know. <laughs> and I was like, I love that, like, even though they had this, like, abusive, like, relationship, like, that that bond of just being like, yeah, fuck everybody. Also that relationship, yeah. I totally forgot about the mother-daughter stuff also. That really, was also a very big aspect of it. Really interesting, yeah. Wow. Yeah. There were a lot of very layered films mm-hmm. that weren't even, like, the best films of the year or considered the best films of the year. 2017 was fucking wild still like my favorite year of film like it was hard for my like 20 like it was hard for like my top 20 not to just be 2017 and then have the rest be the rest of the decade let's just say that so what was your 31 31 is scream 4 wow first horror movie i have on the list first sequel i have on the list go for it i've never seen it holy shit uh this movie was such a big deal for me like i can't like, think about the most excited you've ever been in your life, multiply it by 100, and that was how big this movie was for me. So, like, I grew up watching the Scream movies. Um, we actually turned on Scream at your housewarming party because of me, remember yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, something that needs to happen at all gatherings. Uh, yeah, like, I can't stress enough how obsessed I was with these movies growing up. I watched them every day. Like, literally, I would watch at least one of the Screams every day. And I knew every word to them, and my friends would, like, recite, me and my friends at school, like, during the day, we would recite the movie. And, um, I think they're all brilliant. Like, I think that they are some of the best movies ever made, including the sequels. Like, a lot of people will be like, oh, yeah, Scream was groundbreaking and legendary, but, like, the sequel sucked, and I don't feel that way. I love them all, um, but there was, like, 10, how many years? 11 years in between Scream 3 and Scream 4, uh, but all the same people came back, including Wes Craven, And Wes had had some not-so-successful movies around that time, too. And, uh, you know, he wasn't, I don't think, seen... Like, he was still seen as a legend, but, like, there's a difference between being seen as a legend for, like, your past movies and then, like, in the contemporary times being seen as a legend. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, there was, like, for me, the anticipation of this movie was huge, and I could have very well hated it. I waited for my friend to watch it. Like, my my closest friend um, that we would watch all the time, Gina... I flew to Indiana, and so we and we went to see it together, and uh, it completely lived up to the hype and more. Like it, it updated the entire concept of Scream for the time, and it was actually a little bit before its time because it came out in twenty eleven, and it had like live streaming. Like the killers this time had the idea of live streaming the kills. Um, which I don't think was, like, at, like, that, like, 2011, yes, people were live streaming, but now people fucking live stream everything all the time, so, like, it was just very before its time, they really, like, 
you know, if anyone out there is, like, super young and doesn't know, like, Scream kind of twisted the whole horror genre on its back because it's, like, a very scary movie, like, legitimately scary movie, but it's also, like, the kids in the movie know that they're in a horror movie. Like, not literally, but, like, they know, they, like, use horror movies as a, um, like, a primer for what's happening to them. So there's, like, murders going on, and they're all talking about, like, well... Um, you know, just like in Basic Instinct, the killer could be a woman, you never know. Like, they reference all these movies, and they, it's kind of like a satire. It is a satire, it's almost like a parody. So, like, then the second movie plays on sequels, the third movie plays on trilogies, and so this fourth movie had to, like, completely subvert the whole thing and update it for, like, an 11 years later thing. So, like, Twitter is involved, and, like, all that kind of stuff. And they really just, they delivered exactly what I wanted. And I couldn't have been happier with it. And uh, I do think it's, like, so for, me, for me, it's, like, undoubtedly one of the best of the decade. Especially because wow. they, were, they were able to take something that's, like, so iconic and not ruin it in any way. Like, it's, like, it, it's just, like, they made, like, they all, they made another Scream movie successfully. Instead of, like, you know, fucking up the whole series or like adding in some kind of crazy like new um like element that would um just make the whole like, like make the I hate when like in sequels like they'll add something that like almost um negates the first movie or whatever yeah. and they didn't do that it's such a good it was such a good update and honestly like just this the sadistic nature like when they reveal the killers and it's like I'm not gonna re like reveal it what happens but like it, there's a lot of commenting on Scream 4 about, like, fame and how far people will go to get it and how people idolize people that are not good people and just because they're famous. So, I love it. It's very real. Mm-hmm. My number 30 is a very disturbing film that I think has defined the last eight years, probably, in a lot of ways. We need to talk about Kevin. Oh, if you haven't seen this film by Lynn Ramsey, um, it's a very dark film about uh, kind of the family dynamics of a family whose son kind of commits a mass violent act mm -hmm. um, and just the events leading up to it, kind of. Uh, and it really is like you know what's going to happen because, like, mm -hmm. it says it on the back of the DVD when you pick it up and stuff like that, which, like, you probably did not see it in theaters because it was very independent and very, like, off the grid. Uh, but it had John C. Riley and Tilda Swinton and Ezra Miller, right? Was Ezra Miller the guy? Yes, he was, yeah. and he was brilliant. And, I, I mean, of course, Tilda was, you know, otherworldly. Yeah. It, I love the movie. I mean, even just visually, like, it's so interesting visually, but, like... This is one movie where I would tell people, like, it's not for everyone. Like, I know a lot of people that I wouldn't recommend this movie Vox to. Vox Lux level of triggering. <laughs> oh, I yeah, yeah, but I actually think it's, like, so much more disturbing. And, like, I mean, it's... Yeah. It's so dark. Like, they, it's it's really, like, a cutting. Like, it's hard to watch. You feel, like, nasty, like, and, like, dirty. Like, you're like, oh, my God. It's just so... Well, it feels like it's being, like, America, you've lost control of your children. Like, you've set bad examples, and, like, this is what you're left with now. Yeah. Like, you literally have your kids killing other kids and stuff like that because you guys couldn't connect with them and treat them humanity or teach them humanity. Mm-hmm. It's just so, it, but it, it's so good. I mean, yeah. Lynn Ramsey deserves so much more credit than she gets, but, like, that's a whole other podcast, so. 
Yes. And before we take a break, would you like to tell us your 30? My 30 is another horror movie, The Babadook. Word. I need to see The Babadook. Oh my god. You never watched it? Oh no, my god, Jordan. There's so many films I'm like looking up right now and I'm trying to find where they are. Oh gosh. Dude. <laughs> okay, so I love horror movies, but they don't scare me. That's not why I watch them. Um, I think especially because like I work in the business, I don't it's very hard for me to get scared when I'm watching a movie. Like, I'll sometimes I'll watch a movie and I'll be like, ooh, like, that is a very scary concept or that is a very scary image. But I don't actually feel scared. I'm just kind of, like, almost from a technical standpoint saying, like, oh, wow, that was a really effective, like, horror scene. This movie fucking terrified me. I was so scared. I was so nervous. I was so anxious. And I was, like, panicked, like, watching it. And I think it's because the set design and the sound design and the acting is so effective and unique that you, it just affected me in a different way. Um, It's very, very distinct. Like, it's not really like, I can't really compare it to anything. And I was genuinely terrified and upset watching it. Uh, The child in the movie is one of the things that I think is the most powerful and effective. Like, his performance is so unnerving. Like, there's just something about... Like, obviously, the whole whole movie is, like, a metaphor for um, grief and how that affects a family. And you can just tell, like, how much this kid is suffering. And it's so hard to watch. Uh, But that's part of the horror of it. It's like, that's, that's part of the horror of life that we all have to deal with. And, like, I think that... I need to, like, I've had, like, to get super personal, like, I had a lot of death in my childhood, so, like, by the time, so, like, between the ages of, like, 6 and 15, I went to, like, 20 funerals. Oh, Jesus. And some of them were family members that I, like, really loved and was close with and was devastated by, and some of them were just, like, my dad's friends, who I didn't really know, but, like, he was heartbroken by it or something, but, like, when you're a kid you know, even if you're not, like, super close to the person that passes away, it's still, like, very weird, because you're like, oh, that guy came to my house one time for Christmas, and now I'm looking at his body in a casket, like, that's very weird for a kid, but, like, my parents were not about, like, hiding shit for me, they were just like, yeah, this is life, like, this is what happens, and then, you know, I did have some family members of mine that, that I was, like, devastated by them dying and everything, so, like, that, so, like, a horror movie that's about the, like brutal discomfort of death and like realizing how real that is and like the abandonment feeling of it and like seeing that through a child's eyes with this kind of with this color palette and with the sound design the sound design is so scary it really is I mean the movie's brilliant I don't Jennifer Kent directed it and I haven't seen her new movie The Nightingale I've heard it's like brutally violent and like really hard like my friend can watch like anything and she said she turned it off because it was too intense for her so I'm kind of excited to see that but I think some of the genius of the Babadook is like they only show the Babadook at specific moments and they don't give it all away it's not like you know he's chasing this kid around the house the whole time like it's very very like very selective to when they actually show his image or his shadow or the few times they show the whole image of him like Just brilliant. Just such a brilliantly... You could tell that they, like, slaved over the storyboards of this movie. And I just will forever be very, very impressed by... It's one of the only movies that's ever scared me in my life. So, cheers, Jennifer Kent. Wow. And with that, we will take a break. Yes. (laughs) Stay tuned for our top 30 of the decade. Woo!